Hello, welcome to another episode of Papa Bear Hikes. Today's guest did a hike that I've been talking about doing for five or six years now, maybe longer. I don't know what year the, the way came out. Thank you. My original intent was to do the Camino Santiago, the North Way. But the group I ended up joining, their plan was the Camino Portugues, and it was the last 100 kilometers. It was 114 kilometers. Okay, yeah. I'm familiar with that, too. Yeah, because I saw a movie. It was a father and son that hiked it. Okay. And I thought, yeah. And And it it was fabulous. Like I said, my original intent was to do the Camino de Santiago and just take a month, a month and a half, and just walk the whole thing. But it, as it turned out, things just not happening, and suddenly getting an invite to this group, I'm, I did the Portuguese. And like I said, it was it was fabulous. Because that's there's a number of routes, and the three most common, of course, are the the uh, French A one, the one that's from, that starts from France, the France way, the Northern way, and the Portugal way. Yeah. And... I watched a movie on that and that has to be just such a wonderful experience. You know, you took a, a Camino on a route that's less traveled. Yes. It wasn't quite as crowded as if you went on the yes. Camino de Santiago French way. Not only that, but the time of year, we did it a week. It was about a week and a half after Semana Santa, the um, uh, Holy week um, around Easter. And one of the guys, when he got to the hotel, the taxi driver told him, you know, it's a good thing you weren't here a week ago because there were thousands of people on the trail. And one thing I have noticed about um, the Camino Santiago, and I guess all of them, but the Camino Santiago in particular, because it is so popular and so well known, it is fairly well traveled throughout the year, although heavily traveled by the time you get to May through September. Um, it's, and I've seen videos where it's just, it's like traffic, especially when you get to the last hundred kilometers, that last part. Kind of like we, what we're going through here with the, uh, Appalachian trail these days. It's so traveled. So many people are on it, but there's these other trails that people could go on and, and you picked one of them. And, and other times of year that you can pick. And, and the thing about the part that we did, in order to officially qualify as a Camino, you have to do uh, at least 100 kilometers. So they have, for each of the Caminos, they have a section on there where, you know, if you're looking at, if, you know, I don't have a month to do the whole thing, but if you want to do something in parts, and many people in Spain only do pieces, they'll Take, they have a weekend or a week, and they go and they do a part of the Camino. And they may, because one of the, thing, the sayings on it is, the Camino is yours. You make the Camino. So whatever you need to do for you to do it, that's your Camino, and it's a very personal event. So some people do it, and they may do the entire Camino de Santiago, but it may take them several years. Because each time they come back and start where they left. Some people reach a point where it's, I can't do the whole thing, but I want to do a Camino. And so they have, it can be an official Camino if you do at least do 100 kilometers. And those are those last starting points. So 
when you get on the Camino de Santiago, that when you reach the day of that, the, the location of that last hundred kilometers, the traffic picks up. All of a sudden you come out the next morning and you have loads more people on the road with you because there, it's that point where they need to start in order to be able to get their stamps and be official. So, but yeah, that's Portuguese. Um, the time of year at first I thought was going to be because we kept getting reports of rain. Oh, it's going to be raining every day. We're going to get lots of rain. So no one really knew what to expect, what to pack. So we, you know, we were all just sort of packing. Um, and in fact, one of the Zoom meetings we had was, how many times have you unpacked <laughs> in preparing for this? Because no one quite knew what to take. Um, but in the end, the rain wasn't bad. Even the second day of the walk, when it rained pretty much the entire day, it was just, you, you just threw on your whatever you needed gear and you walked, which surprised me. I'm a biker. I don't bike when it rains. I don't like being out there when it rains. And yet this did not bother me. In fact, I enjoyed it. You know, it's funny you say that, Maria. I bike and I hike. And you know, yesterday it was cold out in the morning. So I said, I'm not going to bike this morning. But if I was hiking, I would have been out there. <laughs> And it's the same thing. Yeah, I'll hike in the rain, but on my bike, nah. no, no, no. <laughs> I'm a fair weather biker. Yeah. the The other thing. What motivated you? Tell us a little bit about you. What motivated you to go out and and do a Camino? The motivation was just hearing about it initially. Someone doing the um, uh, there was a woman at a, a Spanish course that I was taking, and she read and did a little presentation on the Camino and her presentation was short Caminos, but just talking about the history behind it and how people will do a weekend or a week, especially people who live here in Spain, they'll do, they have a short few days off and they'll do a portion of it. And then after that, I saw the way, <laughs> which seems to be the way <laughs> that many people <laughs> make their way to the Camino. <laughs> And that was a big motivation. It was, I love the thought of being on the road for a month, being on the road for weeks and just losing contact, just time, just walking and thinking really. And, and the idea for me is really, really appealing. And that's how it took off. Camino could be done for a number of reasons, right? Some people do it just, because they're motivated to get out and hike. Some people do it for spiritual reasons. And anybody who's done any sort of long distance hiking, multi-day, multi-week hike, any of these long trails knows that at some point, yeah, you're, you, you're going to dig deep into your soul. There's going to be some self-realization. There's going to be some self-reflection. And the Camino, as I said, for many people, it, well, it has very, it's very religious in its roots. Yeah. But it sounds like you were finding that in, on, on this route when you were doing this. Bits, bits. Um, I just, for me, it was maybe because these days we are, you're so connected all of the time. And even when you try to disconnect, I mean, I've left the house without my phone. Like, I'm, I'm not taking my phone with me today. And then I get out there and there's something I need to look up and it's, ah, 
I don't have my phone. And and yet, what did I do before when I didn't have a phone? <laughs> but it just, it's so connected to ev- all the time. And I just thought the idea of just going out there and walking would be wonderful. And it was. It is not as... These routes run through towns, so you're not in the wilderness. I mean, it's hard to find wilderness anymore. No matter where you are, you're close to some town, and the people in that town work, so there are roads and there's transport and everything else. So you're always close to it. But that being said, there's a quiet. And the time of the year that we did it, it was less traveled. And so... There was more quiet than I think what you certainly what they're experiencing now. And as the months run into summer, what they will be experiencing. You have the option to get up and go whenever you want. It's really well marked. And that was another fear of mine. You know, I mean, I'm going to stick with the group because I don't want to get out there and, you know, wandering. And then I have no idea where I where I'm going. But someone said, if you walk for 15 minutes and you don't see a, a shell or an arrow, then you're on the wrong path. And it's so true. There are signs everywhere leading the way, arrows pointing all along the path, that it's really hard to miss it. And so it's easy to walk it alone, which I think is something some people think. There's a lot of things that hiking and backpacking United States and Europe have in common or Camino have in common. You know, the whole, you know, when you're hiking some of the trails here, we're told hike your own hike. Well, you know, hike your own Camino, hike your own own way. But there's other elements of hiking the Camino that are far, far different than, say, the Appalachian Trail or the Pacific Crest Trail. And that is, as you pointed out, you're hiking through towns and villages the entire time. Yeah. But to me, that's, yeah, you're learning about those areas and you're, you're meeting people and learning that culture. To, to some degree, to some degree. Um, one of the things is when I look back, I realized we did, we ended up in some passing through some beautiful little towns, spending the night in them, but that was it. We spent the night and got up and left the next Felt like morning. you could have spent more time there. Right. <laughs> and so what I thought was, you know, now that I've seen them, I really want to come back and explore this area, not as a pilgrim, but as a tourist and really spend time in the town. So it, I think that is something you do pass through many places, but your participation really is on the trail because the time that you spend getting to know any little town is very minimal. You, you get in, in the afternoon or the evening, you find a place to sleep, you, you clean up whatever energy you have, you get something to eat. And if you have more energy, you maybe you hang out late. But the thought, I think, is always, I got to get up in the morning and I have to walk again, that that's always there. And to make sure that I make it from point A to point B, I need to make sure that I rest tonight. So, you know, I, there's, there isn't the... You're not exploring towns and little places along the way that you'd want to. If that's a part of your plan, I don't think that happens much along the Camino, unless you opt to, and people do, 
get to a place, I like it here. I'm going to stay a couple of days. And I know a couple of people we ran into who did that. My group, ours was scheduled. You had, we had, we did not carry everything on our backs. We had suitcases that were in the lobby at 8 a.m. and they were transported to the next hotel. That meant you got up in the morning and you had a destination and you had a time to get there because that's where the bag was. We'll be back after a quick break. You ever think about what might be in the water you're drinking every time you fill up your water bottles while you're in the outdoors? I try not to, and I really don't because I use Sawyer water filters. Sawyer filter technology, because of their high standards, every filter is individually tested three times through the process. I've been using their permethrin product for years now to protect me from, well, quite frankly, ticks and the picaridin to keep the flies at bay. Don't let bad water, insects, or a tick bite cut your trip short or even ruin it. Use Sawyer products. Go to your local outdoor retailer and ask for Sawyer products, whether it's a water filter, insect repellent, they'll likely to have it. You can also go to Sawyer's website and read more about these incredible, high-quality products that they offer for those of us who enjoy the outdoors. Now, and that's where you can get into the pros and cons of being in a group or by yourself or just one person, right? There's pros to being with the group is that security of knowing I know where I'm going to stay every night. I know my baggage is going to be there and I'm not going to get lost. But as you said, you know, individuals can take that time to say, you know what, I'm going to stay here an extra day or maybe even two days. Right. Right. And you can travel as a group and carry everything on your back. And we ran into groups who were doing that. They, you know, it was like they have everything on their back. They get into town, and for most of them, they either called ahead to make a reservation, if they could, at an albergue, which are the hostels along the way. For others, they just decided, when I get there, I'm going to find a bed. And this time of the year, it's fairly easy to do. So even in a group, you can do that. And even though it was a group event, we really, there were 11 of us in my group. We rarely traveled through the day together. A few days we would start out in the mornings. We'd always have breakfast together. We'd start out walking. But then I would stop and take pictures. Other people were just slower, wanted to be slower. Someone else wanted to be. And so you just kind of do your own thing through the day, and we'd end up having dinner together. And that was it. But we were also an older group. You know, um, we were all 65 to 75 and with many health conditions. One guy in the group let us know early on that he had several back surgeries. And he said, I can't do this. I know I cannot walk anywhere from 8 to 20 miles a day. I know I can't do it. But I want to do this Camino, and I'm going to do every day whatever I can do. And when I get to a point that I can't do anymore, I'll call a taxi, and I'll meet you guys at the hotel. And that's exactly what he did. Some days he called the taxi, and some days he called the taxi, first thing in the morning to take him to the next hotel in the next town. And then from there, he just walked back as much as he could and did his Camino right. that way. But it was his Camino. And and that's what, right. there are signs all along the way on the trail where they're plastered on posts or trees or whatever. 24-7 taxi, just call this number. <laughs> so it's very possible, you know, it's, Whatever your health conditions are, you can put something together that works for you. 
there were vans along the way that I'm sure were part of some tour groups that were walking. And they must have had it set up where if you wanted to just do a short day, they would pick you up at a certain point. Or you could do the, and so they had options, I'm sure, through the day. Because we would see these vans coming and picking people up along the way. And it was, I'm sure it was part of their tour. Because in my research, and as I said, this has been on my bucket list for a number of years, but yeah, there's tour groups that you can reach out to and that'll cater to the group you're in. Because, you know, if you take a, you know, five 20 year olds and five 70 year olds and put them into one group, it's tough to meet everybody's needs and turn or expectations, I should say. So you were in a group with people that were close in age and some people had some health, health issues. And I think the older you get, the maybe the more compassionate or the more you can relate to dealing with health issues. And I think too, and the reason I mentioned that is because I think some people would think I get to an age and I've, I've missed my opportunity. And I just want to say there, there is no age there because there are so many ways you can do the Camino to make it work for you that, Anything, any problems that you think you have physically, you can find someone to help you deal with them in order to put together a Camino for yourself. There was a woman on the Camino with a two-year-old baby in a stroller. (laughs) And she started in Porto and walked from Porto. So she was on the road for what, three weeks, three and a half weeks with her little girl. And when she'd get to a point where she couldn't get the stroller up the stairs or over somebody, somebody eventually came along and just help her carry it to the next part, wherever, so she could roll it again. Yeah. I've heard stories where you see people with a a great deal of dedication and conviction. I'm doing this. I'm going to get this done. And I just want to hear those stories. I just think they're so cool. But to my point with you, any, you know, what defines a hiker? Well, yeah, you're you're not a lifetime hiker. No. This is your first long hike, I, I'm guessing. Yes, yes, it is my first. Right, you're not somebody that started this at at 15 years old or grew up hiking. No, I mean I walk. I walk in the city, and that's what I did. Um, but no hiking. No, this was it. This was it. But what's really the difference between hiking around the city and? I don't think there is much difference. Whether I think for something like this, what it comes down to is listening to your body. Because no matter how good you are or how good you think you are, there are the risks of blisters, sore knees, sore backs, whatever. Because each day you're getting up and you're putting in. Our shortest day was probably about eight miles. I think our longest day was about 17 and a half, maybe 18 miles. And you're going up and down hills. You're on rocks. You're on pavement. You're on grass. You're on, you're on all sorts of surfaces. And you have your day pack with you. Um, so we didn't even have a heavy pack. But I think regardless of what shape you're in, each time you have to listen to your body when, when, when you're on that walk and, and it feels like I'm twisting because my hip is hurting or because my knee's hurting, or I think I might be getting a blister. If you want to be back out there tomorrow, then you need to stop. And if it means you stop and get a room, fine. If there's one available, if it means that you call a taxi to get you somewhere so that you can keep walking after that, then you do that. 
But I think that's one of the things that we all learned on this was you listen to your body. And all the groups I've seen with their pictures of bad feet or knees or fall or whatever, and something that took me out each time, it was, listen, when it tells you, when it's time to stop, you need to stop. And that's it. Yeah, I've, I've interviewed very athletic people in their 20s who whose hikes ended because they didn't listen to their bodies. And they would always say, well, yeah, something didn't feel right like two or three days prior to that. Yeah. Because it's the kind of it's the kind of hike where your destination is Santiago de Compostela. So every day you're doing a little bit more to get there and a little bit more to get there. And you that's the place you want to get to. So you do whatever you have to do to make it happen. But now I want to give our listeners a little bit of an idea of you know what goes into a Camino. Because most of the people listening to this podcast live in the United States. They're used to the trails out here. When you're hiking the Camino or one of the Caminos, you get credentials or a pilgrim's passport. Yes. So you got that. And what happens once you get your passport? How does that work out? Why don't you explain that to us? So along, the, you have to get two stamps a day at least. We had one guy in our group who must have had like five or six a day. Every place he'd see. And you can get them at... Any churches you pass, bars, cafes, a lot of places along the way have stamps uh, and they'll stamp it for you. Um, so when you get to and the, and the reason for this is that it's sort of your proof that you were on the trail all of these days. And each of the stamps has the location and it has the date um, for the stamp. So when you get to Santiago de Compostela, then you go to what is the. Camino's center and it's there it's this office you go if it's crowded you take a number and you wait and if it's not then you're lucky and you just go in and what they do is they go through and they check out your book is it official do you have your stamps and then they give you a certificate and um you're in your way and you get everybody has a shell i would i would show you but i don't know where any of my stuff is <laughs> But you, everybody's carrying a shell when they're walking because this shell represents, is the icon, I guess, or the symbol of the Camino, that shell. And it's all along the way. With each post that's there, there are pillars that mark the kilometers, about every 100 kilometers or so, about every 100 meters or so. It'll tell you how many kilometers you have left from that point to Santiago de Compostela. So that's what I mean about it being really no mark. And on each of those posts, and it's usually a granite post, some sort of stone that has the shell on it. And then a, a and in there, it's kind of like a headstone, really. It's marked how many mile, how many kilometers until the end. And people will put stones on top of it or some little personal item on top of the pillar along the way. It's, um, it really is cool. <laughs> And I'll tell you, I mean, and, it, and it's something for me to say that now because <laughs> that last day going into Santiago de Compostela, I was fine the whole walk. There were people in my group who, after the third day, were like, oh my God, yesterday really did me in. And I had no problems. But that last day, and I think it was like 17 and a half, 18 miles, 
I don't know what happened, but by the end of it, all I could think was, where is the hotel? Where's the hotel? I don't care about the church. I don't care about the center. Where is my hotel? <laughs> and I, I was walking, I had been walking with a couple from California who had started in Lisbon and they had been on the Camino for a month with everything on their backs. They had small backpacks. They, they were hikers and they had done a Camino before. And so they kind of had it figured out, bring the bare minimum. So I walked a bit of the way with them and then I stopped to have a snack and they kept going. And after I finished my snack, I realized I really don't want to move. <laughs> I don't want to go anywhere. And then I got up and it's like, you know, just, just start moving your feet, Maria, just start moving them. And then I ran into a woman from Germany and we walked for a bit and she was also kind of, I just want to get there. I get want to get there. So we were wandering along and, and we, as you, we got into town, then it was following the streets and neither of us really had the energy or the wherewithal to pull out our phones and Google map and have it just, you know, just talk me through it. But we saw another group that was going, so we fell in with them and we just followed them. And at times it seemed like they were going in. And so we would ask them, Camino Santiago, are you going to the church? He said, yeah, okay, well, you know, we're just going to go where you go. <laughs> <laughs> I just follow the herd. <laughs> that was exactly what it was. Because <laughs> they were so tired. Yeah. But, and I, and I got to the hotel and I thought, okay, one and done. That's it. But then about a week later, when I got back home, I found myself on the computer looking up Caminos. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually thinking somewhere in the back of my head, how could I do the Camino Frances and I and take a month and a half or a couple of months? I mean, I'm retired. There's no time limit. You know, I can, I don't have to do 20 miles a day. I don't have to do eight miles a day. I can do whatever I want and stop whenever I want, whenever I get to a town. So it's, I don't know, something is, something about it has grabbed me. And I it certainly sounds like it because and I could see why I'm listening to you talking about your experience. And yeah, I think it's one of those things. Once you've been bitten, you, you want to go back and do more. <laughs> yeah. And I, if I, if, if I did the Francaise, I think I would do it on my own. Um, a little bit off season and carry what I needed, taking the bare minimum. The couple I ran into who started in Lisbon, I saw them again when I got to Santiago de Compostela and I showered and everything and I was heading out to look for something to eat. And I ran into them <laughs> and they did what they said has become their norm. They had very small packs, I told you. So there was really barely anything in it. Essentially, what they did was they got there, threw away the clothes they'd been wearing. They went to the store, bought. <laughs> <laughs> That's really going we minimalist. <laughs> we went and bought some clothes. We're going to get something to eat and just enjoy ourselves here. <laughs> and uh, it's not a bad way. Well, to I, th I thought I was a minimalist. I thought I went ultralight. That puts me to shame. <laughs> did you attend the Pilgrim's Mass? No, I did not. There was a long line, and I just did not have the energy. Um, 
there was um, a couple of people in my group who stayed longer than I did. And they, what we found was people had plans for when they, what were they going to do after they got to Santiago? You know, we were a group of 11, eight of them had come from San Francisco. So they wanted to spend time there. Three of them came two weeks early and spent time in Portugal. And so what they had decided was, you know, one couple was going to rent a car the next morning and they were going to start a three-day drive back down to Porto before they flew out. Another couple was going to stay in Santiago de Compostelo and then they were going to go to Asturias for a week and visit there. So they, there were different plans. <laughs> But that night at dinner, after everyone had gotten to the hotel and showered and made it down to dinner, <laughs> the news started coming out. Land and Delvin, no, we canceled our car. We, we, we booked another night at the hotel. <laughs> I don't want to pack my bag. I don't want to go. I'm just sore. I'm tired. I want to stay put. You know, Lyndon Gary, who were going to go to Astorias, that trip canceled. Anne wasn't going anywhere. Everybody was just canceling trips, staying put, asking the hotel, do you have any extra rooms? Can I keep my room for another night? To stay there, just kind of get themselves together and then slowly make their way back home. So the best laid plans at the front of the trip. So if you're going to do any sightseeing, it's probably best to do it before you start on the Camino. <laughs> yeah, you've been walking every day. So I can imagine you woke up that morning and said, wait a minute, this is the first day in how many days I don't have to walk. I'm going to just stay here and exactly. let my body recover. And that's what it became. There, There's a great massage school that's right there in the plaza when you come in and you can book an appointment. <laughs> that was wonderful. I did that and I was like, I was tempted to extend my stay in Santiago de Compostela just so I could come back another day and get another massage. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about the accommodations. Alberques, which are the equivalent of hostels out here or you know, around the world, but in Spain and in Portugal, along the Camino, right. they're referred to as Alberques. What was that experience like? I did not stay in them. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I, your, your group, we, we your uh, tour hotels. had hotels. We stayed in hotels along the way. Yeah. Um, the one couple that I walked with who started in Lisbon and they had everything on their backs, they said when they did the, the, the first Camino they did, the Santiago, the Francis, they wanted to do it as real pilgrims. So they had everything on their back as usual. They made no reservations. Um, so they would get to a town and look to see, is there a room at an alberque? <laughs> there... In their, they're 65 and now, it's in their 60s. And they said, John said with John and Laura, and he said, you know, we did that for two nights. By the third night, we were tired of sleeping in rooms with people snoring. <laughs> we got to the end of the day and it was, you know what? We are pilgrims and it doesn't make us any less official if we stay at a hotel. So after that, <laughs> we booked hotels. Times have changed, right? <laughs> The original pilgrims didn't have modern footwear. No, right? Exactly. They couldn't. Right. Exactly. Times have changed. Things we've evolved. Right. I mean, isn't that aren't those the benefits of evolution? <laughs> you don't have to sleep in an alberque with fifty or fifty to hundred people. We can go to a hotel. Exactly. Exactly. And yet, if the alberque works for you, do it. Um, but if not, don't give up the idea of doing a camino because you don't want to stay in a hostel. You don't have to. 
There, and the idea that it's not official, an official Camino is whatever you want your Camino to be. It's, it's your journey and no one else can take that away from you. So if you're thinking, I can only do this if someone transports my bags and I have a hotel, then that's the way you do it. And that's how we did it. And it was fabulous. It was absolutely fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really takes the whole concept of hike your own hike very literally. You're, you're out there to enjoy yourself. You were able to do this without carrying, you know, 10 to 20 pounds on your back every day. Right. Right. And, right. Staying in accommodations you were comfortable staying in. Right. And for some people, those might be things that make them decide, I'm, I'm not doing this. And that's why I think it's really important to recognize that you put it together so it works for you. Don't let somebody else take this dream away from you or take this experience away from you because they have their own list of things that make it official. You know, it's, we ran into school groups. Oh, my God. Kids, I don't know, I guess they were doing it for their spring break or whatever or something, but loads of kids from different schools around Spain who were on the trail, when we got to Santiago de Compostela and I'm walking through the plaza towards the hotel, there, it, I did see it again the next day when I had more energy and so I could appreciate it more. But there were backpacks and walking sticks, just piles of them lined up everywhere as groups come in and they're just, and then you see some of the groups are just laid out on the ground. They get there and it's like, I can't go another step. But there's something that is so, and it, it's so energizing about it. It's just, it's just amazing. When I was in college, I did a, uh, a bike trip from Columbus down to Cincinnati called Tosser, the tour of the Sierra River Valley. It's my first big bike trip. And the reason I remember it is, to this day, I, I tell everybody, it, it was just an amazing sight. There were thousands of bikes on the road. And every time you get to a rest stop for a drink or food or whatever, there would just be bikes as far as you could see. And that's what it was like when you walked into the plaza at the Santiago de Compostela. There were just walking sticks and backpacks and hikers and just everywhere. And it just, there's something about it because you think, I'm, I did this. I'm part of that. <laughs> that's right. And it is because, really cool. You know, just to give people some reference, <laughs> that's what you've got three, the three main uh, Caminos, that's where they finish. And they converge there. Yes. And they're all coming right. in from different points. And all along the way, people are saying, Buen Camino, Buen Camino. <laughs> <laughs> Which is another great thing. Yeah, it's, it is. It's just there. there's all these little bits of energy that just keep you going along the way that you just kind of, as you're dragging and somebody comes along and, you know, I walked with a guy from Ireland for a while, Declan, and then, you know, we were together. And then I was with some kid from New Mexico. He and his mom were doing it. And then I ran into a woman from Brazil. I mean, it just, there's so many things as you're doing it. In, and I was in a group, but I was walking alone for the day that you just run into people along the way. You know, there was a some guy had his truck along one of the trails and it was an ice cream truck. <laughs> and 
that's where I ran into Declan from from Ireland. He was sitting there having an ice cream. <laughs> that's a good idea, right? Have a uh, you know a or, or a beverage truck. Uh, yeah, just yes. just kind of goes up yes. and down the trail yeah. all day. <laughs> so there's all these little experiences that you don't have, and there you don't have the distractions of the day to take away from them. So you just kind of. You run into somebody, you start walking, you start talking, you know, there's something going on along this little cafe, you stop at the cafe, and then at the cafe, there are just people from all over the world, and you sit down at a table, and you start talking to them. It's just, I'm, I've never done anything like that before, nor have I ever been a part of something like that before, and so for me, it, it was just an amazing experience. Wrapping up here, I have to ask this question, hiking along the trail. What was the food like going through Portugal? Well, my group started at the border of Spain and Portugal in a, in a town called Tui. And that marks the last hundred kilometers. Because yeah, most of Galicia. your walk was in Spain. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's in it's in Galicia. The food was amazing. It was the fish, the bread, the wine. <laughs> It was wonderful. Because let me tell you something, Maria. I've done some research on the Camino de Santiago Frances, and one thing I'm hearing from everybody is village to village, sometimes the cuisine can just change from day to day. You can oh, find oh, unique yeah. opportunities from one place to the next. Well, yeah, and you figure if you're doing the Frances, you're traveling through several different types of environments. Coming up the Portuguese, you're pretty much along the uh, coastal areas or near coastal areas. And Galicia is very green, so you get a lot of that. But some people think, oh, I'm going to lose weight. Yes, you probably not. <laughs> you probably won't gain weight, but the chances of losing it are fairly slim. You eat a lot of bread, a lot of meat. If you're a vegan, pack your food because finding what you want along the way is going to be difficult. Vegetarian, yeah, you can find that. They'll just take out the meat. But you do do a lot of bread, coffee, heavy stuff, meat, rice. (laughs) And you find at the end of the day, you're hungry. Nobody's thinking of a diet. (laughs) Right. You just want to get those calories back (laughs) that you burned up all day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's it. But, you know, you, 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 at least for me, I mean, I didn't go into it thinking, oh, I'm going to lose weight. But I didn't spend any time along the way wondering, oh, God, I wonder if I gained any weight. It just it didn't matter. It just doesn't matter. I stopped and had, and some people have, there was this one guy, was, imagine someone's garage where they've never thrown anything away. There's an old bathroom in it. Not only have they not thrown any away, but anything their neighbors have thrown away, they picked it up before the trash men have come, and they've stored it in that garage. Well, he was running a little cafe of sorts out of it. So he had a little sign out front as you, you had to walk right by his place where he had drinks or whatever. And he had a sign saying, caldo, soup. And I thought, oh, man, I would love some soup. I said, is it hot? Yeah. And it was the caldo de gallego, which is, um, it's got chicken and beans and, and it was, oh, greens. It was wonderful. So I went in, <laughs> walk into this place thinking, wow, Okay. And there's a dusty little table off to her side. And there were some people from the UK, a group there, the three of them who were finishing up the beer. 
So he brought me my soup. It was the best soup. Talk about a hole in the wall where had it been in the city, there'd have been a line outside. (laughs) It was fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Yeah. So you just find these little spots along the way. So it's, it's on your bucket list. Bring it to the top. (laughs) What advice would you give to somebody like me or somebody that's not even as anxious to do it as I am? Somebody who's just thinking about doing what, what advice do you have? I would say, don't think that you have to do a month because sometimes that puts people off. Where am I going to get the time? Do a short one. You can always go back and do another one and don't over plan it because of all that I packed, I probably used a third of it less you will always need less than you imagine you need and you're passing through towns. Anything else you think you might need, you can buy it along the way. So don't overthink it. It's, it takes far less planning than, than you would imagine. And so you don't have to put it off. That's great advice, Maria. Cause uh, yeah, there are groups out there. Like you you know, you were part of an organized group. That's out there for people that really don't have any backpacking. And I say backpacking very loosely because as you mm. pointed out, you don't need to be backpacking your stuff. But no. if you do your research, you'll find a group. And a common mistake I have found backpackers, so to speak, from the United States to go over there. They're going over there with everything, right? They've got the back. They've got the, some of them, they'll even bring their tents with them, their sleeping bags and, and a stove with them. And a week or so in, they're sending it back. And I want to make that clear. You cannot, you cannot think, well, I'll just pitch a tent along the way. That is illegal. You yeah. have to stay in an alberque or a hotel or whatever, but you cannot camp along the way. Right. That's what, do, do the research so you don't find yourself carrying that tent for no reason at all or mailing it back because you get there and find out. Not right. only don't I, right. I don't have any use for it, but I can't use it if I wanted to. You don't need much money. You know, your biggest expense is going to be the trip there. Albuquerque's will run anywhere from five to 50 euros a night, depending on the accommodations. So you can do it on a very slim budget. You can spend a lot, but you don't have to. So don't think that, oh, only people who have a lot of time and a lot of money are doing this. That is not the case. It's you can do this no matter what you've got and no matter what your physical condition. All right, Maria Belton, thank you so much for giving up your time today and sharing this experience with us. You've got me even more motivated. Uh, I saw the way and, you know, people talk about just before I finish, people talk about a walk in the woods in the wild and how much of an influence that has had on people going out and hiking those trails. Those movies got a lot of attention the way how many people have seen that movie and then they're like i want to go hike that maria when you go out and do the camino de santiago frances like you it sounds like you're going to do that <laughs> i'd like to have you back on to share that experience with us once again thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us maria thank you really really enjoyed it all right bye thanks for listening if you haven't done so yet go to our website palmabearhikes.com listen to past episodes check us out on social media Go to our YouTube channel, Martin Outside. All those links are there. In addition to that, you can buy our book or see what you're missing out on if you're not a Patreon member yet. Remember to get outside, have fun, and be safe. This episode of Pop Bear Hikes has been brought to you by Avalon Publicity. 
Avalon Publicity, increasing the digital footprint of content creators and skilled professionals via website development and social media services. For more information about Avalon Publicity, go to their website, avalonbusiness.org. That's avalonbusiness.org.